Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Starting Small Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Nagel, and I want to say thank you guys so much for the continued support of the podcast. In the past month alone, we have doubled our download numbers. And if you would, at the end of this episode, leave a review on iTunes to push us through the algorithm even more. Thank you guys so much and enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Michael Marksberry, CEO and co-founder of Oral's Apparel. Obtaining inspiration from a class trip, Michael took the material Aerogel used in spacesuits to implement it in his own clothing. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Michael Marksberry of Oral's Apparel. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Cameron, thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? I grew up in uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, so I'm a Midwest guy uh, and had a pretty great childhood. Uh, I think it's pretty, you know, pretty par for the course for a, a, a typical Midwest upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't grow up in cornfields or anything like that. I grew up, uh, <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, I had a pretty, what I would consider to be a, a normal uh, American childhood, you know. Uh, two awesome, incredible, loving parents, and mm-hmm. uh, a twin sister and a younger sister, so two sisters and uh, a couple dogs. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, did you have an entrepreneurship mindset growing up? Did you ever sell anything as a kid? You know, I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I uh, I would. Um, I, it's so funny that you ask. I was just going through. Um, <laughs> uh, I I'm, I am, had the fortunate. Uh, opportunity to spend some time with family during uh during covid um nice and so i was home and we were going through uh my mom and i we were going through uh old yearbooks or not yearbooks uh, but uh, <laughs> photo albums and she's going through all these things and uh she wants to digitize some of the photos and you know make sure that we can keep them and all those things uh, nice anyway i'm going through the photo books and like there's all these photos of me as a kid um mm-hmm. either building something uh or, or trying to sell something uh and, and she she was telling me like you know like oh it's so prophetic like look at what you were doing when you were a kid like look how it compares to what you're doing now <laughs> so um you, yes but uh it, it, it was weird to be able to see it too uh, and go back to the photo albums and see all those things um that's amazing so oros being based around materials that were used in space did you ever have a fascination with space as a kid as well too i did i mean you know every, every kid when they grow up like you want to you want to be a, a a doctor a firefighter or an astronaut like those are mm-hmm. you know uh, so yeah absolutely and um you know i remember uh, uh being fascinated with the idea of of space and um that all really kind of matriculated itself as well um uh, later on in life when in college i ended up getting this scholarship created by the mercury seven astronauts called the wow the astronaut scholarship and that's you know um, i'm sure we'll get to it later but that's mm-hmm. that's really what spurred oros and uh in all the things so yeah absolutely okay and then in 2011 you went on to study at miami of ohio what did you study there uh, so I, you know, I was pre-med, uh, okay. I, I was meant to be uh, a doctor. That's, that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
when you're pre-med to, to get into med school, you've got to join a research lab and, and get publications on whatever you're working on. And mm -hmm. that's what I did. And I got, uh, I got really lucky and, uh, uh, through those publications um, in the lab that we were working in, I ended up getting that, as we mentioned, that scholarship uh, created by the Mercury 7 astronauts called uh, the Astronaut Scholarship. And through that astronaut scholarship, that's how I learned about this, this NASA tech uh, called Aerogel. Um, NASA said that Aerogel was the, the lowest thermal conductive solid in existence. Wow. Uh, bunch of fancy words meaning that it was you know the best insulation in the universe like, so good mm -hmm. uh nasa was using this stuff to insulate uh things in space and so i'm thinking like uh hey space is negative 455 degrees fahrenheit yeah it is the coldest temperature in the universe and y'all are telling me that you're taking this aerogel stuff and using it to insulate things in space like uh, this should be <laughs> in every single jacket in the world yeah um, because uh, a couple months prior to that um uh i while in college like my my sophomore year i went backpacking across europe mm. and ended up climbing the tallest mountain in the northeast swiss alps wow. uh and you know phenomenal experience but mm -hmm. uh, like i vividly remember uh looking and feeling like the Michelin man, like just tons yeah. of bulk and tons of layers. And so <laughs> I like at the time, like I remember being on top of that mountain and thinking like, this makes absolutely no sense. Like I, Cameron, I'm, 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 I'm sure you can tell I'm, I'm a science geek and yeah, I, uh, to me, it seems like there's been all this innovation in the world and like mm -hmm. the world's only evolving at faster and faster speeds for sure and it was just kind of uncanny to me that we were in my mind still doing the same thing with outerwear we were, mm -hmm. were you know we were just using animal byproducts like goose down to insulate yeah. jackets the same thing we've been doing for hundreds to thousands of years mm -hmm. uh and so I, like it didn't make sense to me that like there's been all this innovation and outerwear has not evolved like there's just like in my mind there had to be a better way to cut the bulk cut the layers and still stay warm and yeah so when i you know came back to the us and learned about aerogel it was like okay ding 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 like this has gotta this has gotta be it yeah um and so uh, i remember like um my one of my best friends at the time uh and still one of my best friends now co-founder and ceo of Boros, was a guy named rithvik benna Mm -hmm. And uh, we met in organic chemistry, and I remember we were in our in the the main library at my on Miami's campus, and studying for an OCHEM exam, and, and like uh, it's like a couple hours till the exam, and like I pitch him this idea, like, hey, what if we what if we took this NASA uh, space shuttle insulation and just put it into apparel, so you could have really thin gear that keeps you warm. Mm -hmm. It's I, I hate being cold. I'm like well same here uh and uh that you know we kind of united us on this process and we ended up taking the the 10 grand from that uh astronaut scholarship and putting it wow. into working with um 
aerogel. And we learned very quickly why this incredible material wasn't being used, you know, uh, ubiquitously. Like, uh, it, it was kind of weird that yeah. it was the best insulation in the universe. And by the way, been around since 1931. Like, it's not new. Wow. It's been yeah. around for decades. And so it's like, how come this material isn't ubiquitously used in like every single insulation platform uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the world? Well, we found out super quick Like we got our first sample and I remember holding it and it just shattering in my hand. <laughs> uh, and so it turned out that this aerial stuff was super brittle, right? Like yeah. you, you could poke it and it would just shatter. Um, and so it became really clear to us like, okay, that's why this stuff can't be used in apparel. Like, you know, you need flexibility and durability in your apparel, pretty much mm-hmm. like almost any other uh, insulation application. Yeah. And so, um, our passion project for like our last two years of college after we, we got our hands on our first pieces of aerogel uh, became just trying to figure out how to take this incredible insulation and just make it flexible and durable enough for applications uh, like apparel. Yeah. Uh, and by our senior years of college, blew through the 10 grand, like this became our passion. This was our nights. This was our weekends. Like this was everything. Uh, but by our senior years of college, we ended up creating the first ever uh, flexible, durable aerogel composite in the world. Uh, wow. And that's what's called Splitcore. Uh, and that's what's in all of our gear uh, today. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, continue. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Core has got two big benefits over every other insulation in the world. Uh, the first is just warmth. Uh, mm-hmm. our first hire out of college was, uh, a, a guy by the name of Jeff Nash. Uh, today, Jeff is our, our chief technology officer and our VP of product. But, okay. um, prior to Oros, Jeff ran the innovation and materials teams at the North face for like wow. seven years. And, uh, uh, you know, if you can imagine like here are two kids that just graduated <laughs> college and, uh, are pitching this guy uh, on uh, the warmest insulation in the world, and uh, <laughs> he was he he was pretty skeptical, uh, and so we we finally convinced him to just like test it. Like we said, hey, like just test it. Um, and so he says, okay, fine. Uh, and so we started on a contract basis, and the first thing mm-hmm. he did was he just tested SolarCore, tested it against like every insulation that he had in his. I don't know if Rolodex is the right word, but you get the idea. All yeah. the insulations that he had, and um, came back like two months later or something like that, and says, "Hey, so uh, I've tested SolarCore against over 250 insulations, like, <laughs> and I haven't found anything warmer yet." And I'm like, that's exactly wow. what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, so number one is it's just it's just warmer than everything else out there, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real, what makes Aerogel and thereby solar core special is that every insulation that's ever existed has needed bulk to work. Yeah. Like, uh, like Goose Down. Like the, the, way, the way Goose Down works is Goose Down traps air. And the more air goose down traps, the more insulation it's going to give you. The problem is air takes volume or space. So the more mm-hmm. air you funnel in there, the puffier and puffier your jacket gets. And that's why goose down jackets generally look really puffy is they've got all this air space. And it's an air space that keeps you warm. 
The mm -hmm. problem is if you compress the jacket, uh, thereby getting rid of the bulk, uh, you lose all the airspace and thereby lose all the insulation. Meaning mm -hmm. that since the beginning of time, there's been this dependency on volume, bulk, airspace, industry calls it loft, L-O-F-T, to keep you warm. Yeah. That is not true with Aerogel or SolarCore. Um, SolarCore under compression, 15 PSI, a good amount of pressure, maintains 97% of its thermal performance. Uh, point wow. being, for the first in history, you can have thin amount of insulation, put it into a garment, uh, and still stay warm. Uh, said another way, um, for the first time in history, you don't have to look like the Michelin man to stay warm. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's really the big, the big difference with solar core and what, what got us, uh, what got us really excited. And, um, uh, just, I, I, I kid you not just last week, got a call from our patent attorneys and, um, uh, he let us know that, uh, the first two patents we filed in college, uh, on solar core, uh, like right when we graduated, uh, mm -hmm. were just, uh, allowed by the U S patent office. So that was nice. That was some pretty cool news. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point, like now we have this pretty amazing insulation technology, um, inspired by NASA. And, uh, like our next question was like, will anyone want to, you know, buy it? Uh, yeah. and so, uh, we ended up making a, um, a prototype jacket, uh, our senior years of college, uh, out okay. of this solar core stuff. And, uh, it, <laughs> it was a pretty ugly looking jacket. Uh, it, <laughs> it, you know, this was before we hired Jeff and it was designed by two kids in a college dorm room that knew nothing about apparel. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, we took that jacket. Are, are you familiar with Kickstarter? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, so we, we launched the, our first jacket, uh, on Kickstarter because, you know, we didn't have the money to, you know, there's these things with factories called, um, MLQs or minimum order quantities where like, you've got to order a certain amount of inventory for, for them to even be willing to go into production. And we didn't have money to meet those MLQs. So we needed the way to, to get the money to meet the MLQs. And so we thought, well, what's yeah. a better way than Kickstarter also gets its validation and all those things. So mm -hmm. launch Kickstarter campaign with a goal of 100 grand. And for Rhythmy, this was also our deciding factor between Oros and Med School. Uh, yeah. Hit the 100 grand, tried the whole Oros thing, plan B, Med School. And um, uh, I remember like in the first 36 hours after launching the campaign, we hit like 120 something grand. Like wow. more money than two kids from the Midwest have ever seen before in our lives. Uh, closed the Kickstarter campaign at 320 grand, which, uh, you know, incredible to us and yeah um that was really the start of oros uh when as we were graduating college uh, back in may of, of 2015 uh so it's it's been gosh it's been five years now and uh, so so much has happened it's awesome uh, yeah and we can so how did you obtain those numbers on Kickstarter? Were you advertising Oros for a while by this time? Or because that's a pretty crazy number for just yeah, a, a, just a couple of days. Um, you know, we, uh, we 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 didn't have Facebook or Instagram following. Okay. So think this is this is like 
we had the product we didn't yeah. need, i don't even think we had a website at this point like we we literally just created the product and we needed a way to to get the initial traction and validation uh, yeah. and we didn't have money that was the other thing we didn't have money um mm -hmm. so we didn't have a website um we didn't do ads on kickstarter i um now my opinion on ads uh, on kickstarter have changed and we can talk about that if you're interested in terms of mm -hmm. like whether or not you should do it i think now the <laughs> risk reward is now worth it compared to five years ago but yeah uh uh we didn't do ads didn't have instagram didn't didn't have fate like a facebook following um and so uh candidly the thing that drove everything um mm -hmm. was pr that's how we got awareness yeah uh, okay and there's a really great article by tim ferris called how to raise a hundred thousand dollars in 10 days mm. uh and the article uh covers line by line um, uh, exactly the steps that Rith and I followed as we built our, uh, our Kickstarter campaign and candidly, I don't think we would have been anywhere near as successful, uh, without that insight and advice. Uh, it, it, it is truly phenomenal, especially yeah. how they think about generating PR, uh, uh that, um, got us uh, on the cover of CNET the same day that I think the Apple Watch launched. Now, Apple Watch had wow. a really big tile on the home page. Yeah, yeah. Here we are, <laughs> like a really small corner in the bottom right. But point is... Uh, still big, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, that that article has some really, really great insight for any, um, any person that's looking to generate awareness for their company, especially if the route is uh, crowdfunding on Kickstarter, but just, just, just generically as well. Um, really, really phenomenal uh, insight from that article. For sure. So once you raised this initial capital, was this pretty much utilized towards production of the singular jacket? You had no other products at this time, correct? Correct. So just singular jacket. Uh, the, you know, the warehouse was my parents' uh, garage. Nice. Uh, nice. Ruth and I didn't take a salary at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. literally every dollar, uh, went towards buying inventory. Um, I, 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 you know, at that point we also did the, had put money aside to web dev for a site so that we can start selling online and, and all those things. But, um, yeah, the whole majority of costs was, uh, was buying inventory and, and more inventory than we needed so that we could start selling it on our, on our newly built, uh, econ platform. Nice. Okay. So once you had the product established. How did you guys begin to advertise at this time then? Um, so, you know, up until the end of 2019, uh, all of our sales have been 100% direct to consumer uh, via our e-com platform, meaning via our mm -hmm. website. And uh, the, the the biggest way that we advertise, um, just like every, every other digitally native brand is, you know, uh, online ads, uh, and there's only so many platforms. There's Facebook and there's Google. Uh, now, you know, there's TikTok. Who knows what's going to happen with TikTok? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's TikTok and there's some other outlets like Snapchat now you can advertise on and yada, yada. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, ubiquitously, I, I believe, would agree that um, the most efficient ad spend you're generally going to find on Facebook. Uh, yeah. And then the question is, how do you how do you advertise in such a way that 
um, it's efficient advertising, meaning that your cost per click or CPCs are super low, meaning that, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, 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 the amount of money that you have to spend to drive someone to your site is super low. Uh, yeah. uh and then how do you, how do you make sure that your, uh, conversion rate on your site, uh, meaning how, you know, let's say per every hundred people, how many people convert by your product, uh, is super high. Uh, it, you know, you got to identify the metrics that you care about. And then, um, candidly, I think from that point, it's, uh, every ad is a science experiment. Where, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you've got your hypothesis. Like my hypothesis is that ad A will work better than ad B. And then you test it. You have your control variable, you know, like your you know, variables at A, your controls at B, um, you run them, you test them, uh, you learn from it. Either your hypothesis was right or wrong, and then you uh, repeat the test until you continually get the best uh, metrics possible. And uh, I think within that, there's a lot of interesting, like, um, unique ways of uh, getting in front of people uh, mm -hmm. and unique ways of advertising that uh, candidly will, will still stand out against the competition. Like, one of our ways early on uh, that we used is uh, like we needed a we needed a way to show like how well the jackets worked, and so um, mm -hmm. we got our hands on the coldest substance we could get our hands on, uh, which is liquid nitrogen. And liquid nitrogen is you know negative three hundred and twenty one degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, put uh, one of our teammates in, uh, in the jacket <laughs> and you know thermal sensors on either side um, and sprayed them uh, with liquid nitrogen. And, the, the outside of the jacket, I think, was like negative 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, wow. And then the inside was 89 degrees Fahrenheit, basically unchanged. That's wild. Uh, and showing that visually was a really compelling way of expressing uh, not only the value proposition of the jacket and the value proposition of the tech, but uh, really did an awesome job of generating incredibly low CPCs uh, to get people to mm -hmm. the site, as well as PR. Um, and so, you yeah. know, I, I, I think uh within those ads understanding what uh, member that you're expressing benefits over features and mm -hmm. uh, uh uh trying to do so in a creative uh creative way uh to 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 reach your consumers is really important for sure so what would you say is your main demographic then uh historically our target consumer uh, and, and who's made up of a majority of our purchases uh, last year, uh, as well as years prior, is who we call the modern urbanite. Uh, okay. This is a late 20 to early 30 year old um, mm -hmm. that lives in an urban environment. If you were to, to take a, a, a look at the U.S., um, uh, a geographic map of the U.S. and look at the disbursement of sales of Laura's products across the U.S., you'd see that number one on a volume perspective is New York. Uh, yeah. You'd see that number one on a per capita perspective is Chicago. Uh, Chicago is number two from a volume perspective. After that comes Boston, uh, and then you go to the West Coast, you go to San Francisco, uh, and then you go up to Seattle and then ironically, uh, down to LA and, uh, then it keeps going. Point is, uh, our market consumer lives in an urban environment, very mm -hmm. different than the consumer that lives in like a park city per se. For uh, sure. 
uh, and uh, uh, decent split in this target consumer base between male and female. Uh, it's about a 50-50 split. It, it might actually lean slightly more female. It might be like 52-48 favoring female. Um, okay. Uh, and uh, the most important thing is, uh, yes, they live in an urban environment, but they like to spend their weekends outside uh, doing mm -hmm. a variety of activities, whether that is exploring the outdoors or uh, getting outside to just go on an urban run, whatever that is, um, that's uh, one of the most important features of our target consumer and who's made up of majority of our uh, uh, purchases historically. Now, uh, what's interesting though is um, our second largest consumer, our secondary consumer, um, who has significantly, uh, has pretty low CPAs or cost per acquisition, is mm -hmm. uh, um, who we call the warmth seeker. Um, they are a uh, late 40, early 50 year old, again, mm -hmm. live in this urban environment. Um, but the most important thing to them is they just want to stay warm while they walk their dog on a cold Chicago winter day. Yeah. Um, and so that makes up our, our, our secondary purchaser, and, um, uh, our second largest consumer, uh, historically. Gotcha. So have you guys ever looked into getting into retail at all with the products? So Q1 2020, uh, mm -hmm. we launched Oros's first ever pop-up. Wow. Nice. Uh, and our goal was to, uh, um, break even we didn't care about making money like candidly like the only reason that you do pop-ups is like is brand awareness yes you get revenue along the way but the goal is, the goal should be for your own pop-ups uh, really to drive awareness and then just not lose money along the way yeah um and so that was our goal and uh even with covid we ended up being incredibly successful uh which is great and our biggest learning lesson from that first pop-up was the value of in-store activations. Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is like, um, right after we opened the store, uh, we had a launch, uh, a launch, we had uh, several launch parties, but one of our launch parties, uh, we flew in the most famous astronaut to ever come from Chicago where we opened up the store. Wow. Uh, and his name's Scott Scooter Altman and Scooter, um, you know, last man to see Hubble telescope with his own eyes. Uh, in the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame. Uh, if you've ever seen Top Gun, he's the fighter mm -hmm. pilot that rang the bell tower. Uh, oh, wow. Jet. Uh, so super cool uh, guy. Yeah. And um, had him, uh, he spent an hour uh, in the store uh, with doing an Ask an Astronaut series where he spent his first half an hour talking about how he found his Beyond in Space and the last half an hour uh, just taking questions from the crowd you know like anything mm -hmm. from hey uh do you actually pee in your spacesuit when you're on a <laughs> spacewalk to you know whatever you can imagine um yeah uh, and uh, what was super cool is you know like the store capacity this was pre-covid by the way but the store capacity mm -hmm. was 48 and we had a, we had over i don't i don't know like 100 something people in the store in like an, uh, that hour period and it was our one of our highest revenue days one of our highest profitability days and wow. all the days that were our highest revenue and highest profitability were the days that we did these activations point being uh the biggest learning lesson is for our we believe for our pop-ups to be successful at least in the near term they need to involve um a good amount of these in-store activations that also uh us in the sense of awareness community building and all these other things um for sure 
so that was our first our first dwell into pop-ups. Um, I'm still bullish. I still believe that omnichannel is going to be the way of the future for any um, any digitally native brand. Uh, Completely agree. Uh, but you know, I think COVID is 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 slowing down that uh, manifestation to a, a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I totally think that uh, it sounds like you and I are on the same page. Omnichannel is is a, a, a I believe a necessary route forward for almost every digital brand. For sure. So you had this astronaut come and visit. What, what did he have to say about your product? Was, or have any other astronauts seen this? Are they very impressed? And have they seen anything like this? Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'll let you in on a, um, a secret. We haven't okay. <laughs> released it yet. And so oh, wow. The first to know, but um, uh, October 1st is NASA's birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, NASA was founded October 1st, 1958. Mm -hmm. And uh, on October 1st, Oros is dropping a NASA Oros product collab. Wow. It'll be 400 units uh, of a jacket uh, that is incredibly designed, takes after the spacesuits in terms of ergonomics and all those things, and mm -hmm. uh, has NASA branding all over it. Uh, but the coolest thing is every single one of those 400 units will be signed by an astronaut um, in the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame. Wow. Uh, the woman signing the jacket is a woman by the name of Kathy Sullivan. Uh, Kathy's the first woman to ever go on a spacewalk. The wow. first woman to go to the deepest part of the ocean. Uh, calls herself uh, the most vertical person in the world, uh, which is mm -hmm. a really cool title. Uh, yeah. uh, in, in the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame, you know, she lives and breathes Oros' ethos of find your beyond. Uh, wow. And super excited to have her. Um, so your question was if, about their astronauts seen in your products. Um, mm -hmm. it, yes. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. So looking at Oros today, I, I looked at the website. You guys offer more than jackets. So what products do you offer at this time? Uh, we, we offer a pretty wide variety, um, you know, Within jackets, uh, our best seller is the Orion Parka. Uh, that's what Forbes mm. called the warmest jacket in the world. Uh, wow. Because it is, um, but it's, you know, uh, the jacket is a tank. Uh, if you want to stay yeah. warm, like that's the jacket for you. Um, uh, but our fastest growing category uh, these past couple of years uh, have been our performance wear category, mm. which are things like our insulated leggings, uh, mm -hmm. our insulated quarter zip, you know, a quarter zip person, Brunus World Gear of the Year, a really great base layer for like running. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and products like this, like it's, it's these uh, closer to body uh, performance wear pieces that has been our fastest growing category in the business. Uh, mm -hmm. Outside of that, you know, we, we offer um, uh, accessories like um, uh, mittens and gloves and beanies all insulated with our solar core tech as well. Um, and so I would say those are our three buckets of categories. You have our outerwear, like our jackets, like our Orion Parkas. You've got our performance wear, like our leggings and quarter zips. And then you've got uh, our accessories, like our um, uh, gloves and beanies. Awesome. 
So if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you learned or regret, just anything, what would that be? I would say that, you know, uh, one of Oros's internal mottos is mm -hmm. science to shit out of everything you do. Yeah. And what that means to me is um, there's this kind of weird viewpoint from society on um, on success and failure mm -hmm. where you know like uh, if success is an iceberg sees like it's above the water they see the success but they don't always see like the the amount of failures that have gone into reaching that success and uh, as we, I, I believe we as people look at failure and think that it's a really negative thing um yeah. I, I think sometimes it really can be uh you mm -hmm. know there's times you don't you can't afford to fail right for sure uh, but i believe that overarching uh failure is a is part of the process to reach success um mm -hmm. what i mean by that is going back to you know how uh, how I believe scientists view the world from this perspective of um, everything you do is a science experiment where mm -hmm. you have a hypothesis, you have, uh, uh, and you test your hypothesis. Yeah. Uh, you know, for Oros, that can be ads, for Oros, that can be product creation, for Oros, that can be R&D on our future tech. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be biz dev, whatever you want it to be. But all these things have hypotheses. Hypotheses. This is what we believe we can achieve. Let's test it. Let's see, you know, what will help get us there. What won't? Yada yada. And when something fails, when when you run an ad and it doesn't work, uh, that's obviously on a smaller scale of failure. But um, uh, uh, a lot of people get kind of downtrodden over that. I think like, oh no, like it, this isn't working, uh, and they get upset with themselves. But like, I think the most successful people view that quote unquote failure as a part of the overall science experiment. And it's a learning process where you can take that data and now replug it back into your hypothesis, adjust your hypothesis accordingly uh, and learn from it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, I, I think some of the greatest successes are the worst failures. And I think uh, uh, if you can view these things as a science experiment uh, and the associated learnings appropriately, I think, I think it'll really benefit you in the long term. Um, so that's, that's probably one piece of advice that I, that I would have. For sure. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Oros at orosapparel.com. Great. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, Leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.